Hello everyone, and welcome back to yet another week on the Theater 10 Podcast, uh, a podcast where we, three film students, talk about whatever movies opened in wide release, 600 theaters or more, exactly 10 years ago. We have uh, three great hosts here today. Um, I am one of them. I am, as always, Owen Larkin. I'm Matt Pefko. And we've and... replaced Kenny Cox today. He <laughs> is... Kenny's been replaced. Yeah. Um, uh, please welcome to the show, Steve Hassett. Hello, everybody. Woo! I'm Steve. Nice to meet you all. <laughs> Steve attends Ithaca College for film. Yes. Not Emerson. Unfortunately. Yeah, unfortunately. Yeah, I was I like, wow, it. I don't need to change the intro at all. Yeah, still <laughs> film students. Still film students. Still film students, yeah. Unfortunately. Um, although just barely for me. We need that kind of academic rigor to discuss these movies today. Um, right yeah right we do you know because it's not it's not like your usual hollywood release there are some movies by auteurs here some some filmmakers with specific visions who get basically a blank check to make whatever kind of strange film they want yeah definitely uh, we were talking about of course the disney nature corporation yes the disney, yeah, we're talking about samuel L. jackson <laughs> yeah 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 uh um so starting us off, the question we love to ask all of our guests as they first enter the theater, uh, you know, while Maria Menounos' newbie ads are playing, of course. Um, so, like, Steve, what is your relationship to the year 2011? Like, what, what do you think of when you think of this year? Like, in terms of movies, music, culture, like, what are you feeling? Um, well, I was in sixth grade, and um, I had just entered a new school, actually. I had moved towns. And um, in this new school, I was heavily indebted to the, um, I guess, the metal scene. And so everything, you know, um, what was Bullet for My Valentine, I always get that confused with My Bloody Valentine. Um, It's very hardcore things. I was watching, you know, hardcore shows and movies. And um, any events that Yeah. Yes, Avenge Seven Seether. Seether was <laughs> a sleigh, actually. Was my thing. That was yeah. Looking back, like Seether, that was a sleigh, and also yeah. Affliction brand clothing. Like that was that's what I think of. Did um, you have like the scene girl like haircut with the raccoon like? No, no. Same. I had. I've been getting my haircut the same since I was five. Oh. Okay. I, <laughs> I didn't look any different. Even now, at twenty-two, I don't look any different than I did at. Uh, it was more 11, of an internal 12. change. Yes. Yeah. You didn't feel the need to be a poser. No, no. Well, well I kind of did. Um, <laughs> I still want to also... get that, like, hairstyle with, like, the blown out, like, front thing that goes across. Oh, it's, it's coming back. Give it, yeah. like, in five years, everyone's going to have it again. The feathers in the hair with mm-hmm. the checkers, definitely. Mm-hmm. And um, what was the other big thing about 2011? Um, well, I was secretly, you know, I knew, I knew I was gay at the time. So, you know, I was LGBT, the LGBTQIA. I knew I was. So, you know, on, on the side, I was secretly watching, you know, weeds and <laughs> Nip Tuck. Oh, Nip Tuck was crazy. That is Ryan uh, Murphy. That Ryan Murphy stranglehold over queer youth in our society. Listen, no, <laughs> Nip Tuck was his magnum opus. He will never top that. Um, was Rizzoli and Isles on the air at the time? 
Yeah, um, I think so. Ye- I think it's like a little later, but maybe it started <laughs> around 2011. But yeah, I mean, I was, like my mom was definitely watching Rizzoli and Isles around this time. Yeah, I was also super into. Um, oh well, I was super into superheroes first of all. Oh, slay! And um, yeah, yeah, I'm gonna be pulling out things from 2011 as the show goes along. This is gonna Perfect. be terrible. That's what we need. Yeah, <laughs> all the nostalgia. Keep it running back. Everything. I also associate yeah. this time in my life with Glee a lot. I was. Like, from episode one, avid watcher. Um, I don't know why my parents yeah. let me watch that. Um, well, later this year, we'll be talking about Glee, the 3D concert movie. Oh my god, so, so excited, so excited. <laughs> Didn't go to see that, though. I just, you know, I was into the story, not the not the actors. Yeah, that'll be fun, as I will watch the movie without having seen the TV show Glee. <gasps> well, we can change oh. that, Owen. Yeah, you can yeah. watch it beforehand. It, you have to watch. It's a rite of passage. Come yeah, on. Just last night, I watched the Power of Madonna episode because it was the 11 year anniversary. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, like I know a bunch of Glee performances, but I do not know. I have not like seen an entire episode of the show. <laughs> hello, hello, it's baby. Okay. Um. um yeah. So, what's our number one movie? <laughs> well, our our top grossing new release of the weekend. Is it number one? is not number one rio's still oh. rio's still number one rio's box office behemoth rio yeah. wow <laughs> rio's gain in theaters it's only dropping 32 percent it's damn rio right. rio fever's taking the nation yeah. on april 22nd they were going to the carnival they weren't going to the circus right right well we'll get to that um that's not even number two no it's not number two number <laughs> two is Medea's big happy family Oh, which opened okay. to twenty-five million dollars. Um, See, America still cares about yeah. auteurs. Yeah, on two thousand two hundred and eighty-eight screens, with a ten thousand uh, dollar per screen average, which is pretty high. It's much higher yeah. than Rio's per screen average. So yeah, I assume that Medea movies are like big opening weekend things. They are. They always overperform, from what I remember. Like. They, you never really expect these movies to do like incredibly well until they're like, like I remember until Boo, Boo. Medea, yeah, Boo <laughs> like was topping the charts for like weeks on end. I remember I was like, what, what is happening here? So let's go into the history of Tyler Perry and the Medea franchise a little bit, shall we? Um, yeah. Owen, sure. do you want to start us off, or Steve, or I feel the least qualified, um, but I do know that it was like a play. And then it became, like, a movie that was actually okay, and then it became, like, the worst thing ever, um, is my right. understanding of it. Um, so I don't, I still don't entirely understand Tyler Perry too much. Does anyone? No. My favorite, like, Tyler Perry thing is definitely the fact that he hates Gone Girl and was, like, upset that he didn't realize what kind of movie it was going to be. Is that true? Yeah, no, he's, like, embarrassed that he was in it. Wait, wh- why? Because yeah. he's, like, he's like it just wasn't, like, good. Like, I don't know. Like, I, I'm sorry. I You can fact-check me on this, but, like, I'm 80% sure that he yeah, was, like... I like, guess I believe you, but, like, that's... Hmm. Hmm. I oh, didn't know that. Interesting. He also didn't know who David Fincher was, apparently. Um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I will... I will pull this up, but... I'm, yeah, uh, so Medea's big happy okay. family. Okay, he says he, if he, um, I probably would have walked away from it if I had known who David Fincher was and his body of work, or if I'd known the book was so popular, I would have said no. 
And my agent knew that. He didn't tell me until after I had signed on. Well, but but why? Uh, I don't because I guess he it was just below his pay grade. Like I don't or it wasn't something he well, morally I, agreed with. Hmm. Tyler Perry's I been just, like acting more in in like well he's bigger going to be movies. in uh, Don't Look Up. And he was in Vice too. Oh, so, oh okay, so that's why he's in Don't. And yeah. um, uh, Alex Cross. Of course, can't forget that. <laughs> yeah. Oh. Um. Um, and Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Out of the Shadows. Oh? I I didn't run out to see that one. Me neither. I haven't seen I it. I believe you. I've not seen it. I did see the first one in theaters, though. Right. Um, I'm, a, I'm a Ninja Turtle head. I like, the, I like them. I love the I, show, I, the reboot on Nick. Oh, whatever. Okay, We'll, we'll talk about this another um, time. <laughs> so, Medea's Big Happy Family is the 11th film in the Tyler Perry film franchise, which... Okay, pretty <laughs> clear to audiences. Uh, I watched 15 minutes of this film and As said, a... no thanks. No Which thanks. Which I've never done in the history of watching a film for this podcast, but I, yeah, I couldn't do me. it today. It I couldn't me. do it today. Um, but I could clearly tell that there was a lot of lore in this franchise that I did not expect, I would say. Like... Mm-hmm. I guess I had always expected these movies to, like, kind of be, like, uh, scary movie-esque and just, like, really stupid shit's just gonna happen. And, like, I guess that, or, like, yeah. But, like, this movie opens and it's, like, like, the dad has, like, diabetes and is, like, checking in with the doctor. And it's, like, very somber for some reason. And it's, like... Is this what people really came here to see? I don't know. I mean, I can't really speak to it because that's it's, the only. Yeah, there's a surprising Perry amount of like <laughs> pulling on heartstrings that occurs in the Medea movies. They aren't like you watch the trailer and you're kind of just like, okay, this is like silly, a little bit playing on racial stereotypes, but a very silly, yeah. you know, funny movie, um, and. No, there's actually a lot of um, evangelical uh, tones in there. There's a lot about forgiveness right. and sin and family and um, a bunch of things that you don't really want to see Tyler Perry do. Um, but no. I guess people do, clearly, right? Yeah, These movies yeah. make money. Back in time and time again. The other thing I didn't know about this movie, and a lot of these Medea movies... Which I guess just kind of speaks to like how little I've paid attention to their development before this. Uh, is that like all, almost all these movies are based on plays, which I guess makes sense when you watch it because it's like like framed like a play almost, where it's very basic setups for scenes and stuff. Well, the first film in the series called Diary of a Mad Black Woman in two thousand five is based off the play. Um, of the same name so right it's like yeah it, it's i get he starts out as a playwright i guess i guess yep and then yeah. that's so even though it's not called medea like all the subsequent medea movies are like part of that franchise yeah, most of them are like i don't like i'm looking here and i don't think boo medea halloween was a play right no i'm not saying they're all plays i'm just saying like yeah it's interesting like franchise off a of play and 
I don't know. I just don't. Like, it's, I'm dumbfounded. <laughs> like, it generally, like, it genuinely baffles me to the point of frustration. Like, I wish I understood any of this. Yeah. And, um, like, it's, a, it's such a phenomenon that, like, I don't think yeah. we'll ever understand. Not really. Well, I don't... I, I, oh, sorry. What were you no, saying? go no, ahead. No, no, no. You're the only well, one who I'm... watched it through to the end. Yeah. Saw it at sleepover. <laughs> well, a long time ago. Um... But I do think it is really interesting what Owen was saying about the lore to these movies. They are an entire universe in their own right. You know, probably just as big as the MCU or something like that. Yeah. And um, and you, we, we don't really see them that way. I feel like the general public doesn't really see them that way. Um, so it's just, it's interesting to me that 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 they they are sort of this mix of characters that come along every once in a while much like a superhero movie would like once a year pretty much yeah once a year and um i do also find it interesting that a lot of them are very serious yeah uh, they're like like it's so serious there's like a, there's an a plot and a b plot and it's always like medea is actually always the b plot of the movie mhm She's right. always the the comedic relief. Yeah, Boo and Medea Halloween's actually very similar to a ghost story in that it's about processing trauma and grief through, um, you know, the metaphorical paranormal. Correct. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> and then like um, I'm thinking about um, Diary of a Mad Black Woman. I I mean I haven't seen it in 15 years. I think I just watched it on demand, <laughs> like randomly because there was nothing else on, and that movie is actually about like a woman going through a divorce and her husband gets paralyzed. I think he it, it was like it was really heavy and I still think about it sometimes. Like yeah. Her in the hospital room with her husband who can't move and I'm like Jesus, that is heavy. And then like, you have this like <laughs> other storyline about Medea that just comes out of nowhere and I'm like, "Oh. I didn't know that's what these movies were." That's the crazy thing cuz like for my like understanding of these movies, because like, I I did not see any. I this is the only one I've seen parts of now, but like from an outsider perspective, like all I had seen of these movies is just like the title and the posters, and all of them are very much selling you on just like, well, Medea's gonna go through like some silly uh, premise yeah. where it's like yeah. Medea goes to jail, yeah, yeah, or. Yeah, I I mean like Medea's yeah. Witness Protection Program. It's like her like hitting someone with a bus or something like. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so they do kind of become a bit morbid at times, don't they? Right. Yeah. Um, also, there's a poster for this movie, which is a parody of a uh, Black Swan, where Medea is dressed as Black Swan. I rem- yeah. I actually remember when the when the promos were happening when the ad campaign, there was like the different character poster, not character <laughs> posters, but you know like. Themed yeah, posters yeah. for the movie. Yeah, I remember this now. Yeah, because the main poster is very much Brady Bunch. Like, yeah. Oh, you can't see it, but, that, but <laughs> yeah. No, it's 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 weird, and yeah, like there's a lot of confusion. Like, why do we? Why the return to the family after she already goes to jail? <laughs> like, like, there's so much. There's so. Much. And why hasn't she gone to space yet? This is a good question. Oh, I think you're just fueled feel a new idea. Oh, um, God. I will Please don't cast, listen to me, Tyler Perry. <laughs> the cast is really amazing for this. 
Yeah. Right, right. I mean, Loretta Devine, Bow Wow, um, uh, Tayana Taylor. Yeah, Isaiah, Isaiah Mustafa. Mustafa. Yeah. Yeah, like, these are... He... Yeah, he gets good actors. I mean, there's yeah. something to say about, like, it's cool that there can be a franchise built around black leads that's not, like, explicitly made for white audiences, like... Yeah. I mean, right. it's not totally, like... It, there's worse things in the culture than Medea, I guess, although you could say that there's some transphobia and misogyny going on in the premise, but, like... Yeah. You know, point being that it's, like, it's not really, like, evil. It's just, like... It huh? really just exists in this <laughs> small corner of the world that, like, never really... Like, I've never really paid attention to until... Yeah one of these movies opens and does like extremely well at the box office and yeah. it's like well and I'd be I guess willing Medea's to stand. A still a sensation yeah I'd be willing to stand but like they're not really funny like no <laughs> or good <laughs> it's really weird <laughs> I don't know I don't know I mean I just I, I really don't know but yes I'm happy that Thandi Newton got a check um, I just remembered that they killed off Medea Medea did- family funeral 2019. Right. right. That happened? Yeah, right. that was the last theatrical Tyler Perry movie. In the Medea franchise. Yeah, in the Medea. Well, apparently um, he's signed a deal with Netflix now, so his movies won't be going to theaters anymore. Oh, Medea did die. Oh my yeah. god. Crazy. End of an this era. This is for my people who just lost somebody. <laughs> your best friend, your baby. Oh my god, and Mike Tyson was in the movie. Yeah, I was um, trying to see, like, I was like, so where are we with the Medea franchise now? But, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's so he, oh, so Perry was Alex Cross in Alex Cross. Like, he is the titular yeah. Alex Cross. Yeah, he's Cross. the titular Alex Cross. All right, I heard that movie is horrible. So hey, if we funny. get to 2022, we'll be talking Alex Cross. <sighs> right. <laughs> oh, man. I never, I never saw it. Who, yeah. I, was it Matthew Fox in that? Yeah, he's the villain, I think. Yeah. Yeah, that sounds right. Yeah. There's so many of these Tyler Perry movies. Like, I'm looking at his filmography right here, and I'm like... So, like, 2012, we get both Good Deeds and Medea's Witness Protection. Like, Thank God. Two for What about... Like, the I MCU can do bad all by myself. Thing. I remember that one. Oh, that's a, that's a poster. Yeah, that was around. I Raji. heard that was good. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I, remember, I did see... Like, yeah, go on. No, I just said I heard that that one was good. I did see Tyler Perry's Acrimony. Um because I was working at the movie theater at the time that it came out, and I loved Taraji P. Henson. Um, it was not good. Um, but, you know, it, it, she does get um, dragged to the bottom of the ocean uh, by an anchor at the end after she tries what? to kill someone with an axe. So, there's what? that. Sorry, spoiler alert. Yeah, well, that's why I had to see it, because I was cleaning the theater, and I would, like, come in 20 minutes early to hide from doing work. Sorry to AMC Stony Brook 17, and just, like, watch a movie. And, like, there's, like, two people in the theater, and it's just, like, her stomping around a cruise ship, like, or a yacht with, like, an axe, and, like, trying to kill this man. And then, like, her foot gets hooked around, like, a chain, and she gets pulled to the bottom of the ocean at the end. What? Um, It was... Oh, my God. It was very campy. And then always, like, there would be people who'd come out of that, like, like one woman, and they'd be like, that was really bad. Or they'd be like, that was weird. And I'd be like, yep. That's dark. I, did, I wouldn't um, have suspected that. Well, yeah. It very, I mean, like, 
I don't know, maybe maybe Acrimony is like an erotic thriller, uh, sort of, uh, you know, homage. Yeah. Sure. My, a, a good friend of mine was an assistant to a personal stylist one summer. I don't, I don't really know how she got right. the job. But um, Taraji P. Henson was one of the clients, and she said on her I first day, Taraji. that's who she had. And she said she was, she was really nice, and she ran up to her, and she was like, hey, I, I hear it's your first day, and she gave her a hug. And oh, my God. I, I really like that. That makes sense. I yeah. love Taraji. I, I loved Empire in its first season. That was, like, my show back in the day. Um, it's really sad that Proud Mary isn't good, apparently. Yeah. Like, that yeah. feels like, like, Taraji having, like, an action franchise. Like, that just <laughs> feels right. It feels yeah. right, but, like, also that movie looked horrible. So, oh, yeah. like, I, nev- yeah. I was yeah. never, like... What? We had a conversation about it in one of my classes, in my Cinematic Currents class, about how that movie was dumped in a January release and yep. got little to no promo yeah. from the studio and, you know, how it's a black-led movie and how that ties into it. Um, That's true. So it's, it's uh, in that respect, it is really fascinating in how um, it exposes, you know, racism within, um, what is it, studio promotion? Is that what, mm-hmm. marketing? Sure, yeah. And, you know, how that happens and how that occurs um true so i just i did I not see that was really interesting i didn't, I didn't either. either none of us saw it good but you know we love taraji um hidden figures not in this that movie, was a win for her but that is okay uh she's not in this yeah but sorry <laughs> she I was know. in I don't, benjamin button she was right she she's was. great in benjamin button actually she was yeah. really she was really good she's in very yeah. rarely like not good i can't think of anything yeah she's been she always in. delivers yeah she's just such a she's like one of those like stars who has like presence like you just like see her on a screen and like she's yes inherently she commands a space yeah yes um okay but yeah she is not in this movie (laughs) um i just don't have anything to say like what is the what is this like i don't understand it i don't like it i don't I, I wish I could I wish I could wrap my fingers around this like and try to like say something about it but it's just like what is Medea like is it a force for good it's just chaos it's chaos it's absolute chaos I think that's the best way of summing it up yeah. because like from just going off of the first fifteen minutes of this movie you're like this could be like a serious like not great drama until like Medea enters the movie and you're like okay so is this like the joke or something like like it like the opening scene is like or after the opening scene is like Medea like berating like a fast food worker uh for like getting her order wrong that's um, right she drives through the window right yeah she drives through the window <laughs> yes <laughs> and it becomes a completely different movie and you're like okay like yeah is, so what, what are we doing <laughs> so many questions yeah, um, very strange. Tyler Perry, uh, strange man. I don't, yeah. I don't know what his deal is. But I mean, hey, you know, secure the bag. I guess. I mean, like, yeah, this shit he's makes a billionaire. Money. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He fucking like Prince Harry's chilling at his crib right now. Yeah, and Tyler oh, Perry yeah. Studios is like the Truman Show bubble. Oh, yeah. yeah, there was the whole those news stories during yeah. COVID where it was like they. They were the first to establish, like, the bubble plan yeah. of, like, keeping all their actors in, like, quarantine, <laughs> like, housed and stuff. 
Poor Thandie and Newton. They shot 19 episodes of a show in four days. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> how, do you, how do you even do that? I, I still think about the logistics of that. I'm just imagining yeah, the set from Tootsie, like, <laughs> like yeah. just banging it out on the same exact, like, four walls. Right. Um, all right. So... Uh, yeah, I feel I'm like that's it, it on Medea, yeah, that's, yeah, but that's it on Medea. I literally have nothing else to say. I got 15 minutes into it, and I said, "Well, I'm never going to understand this." Hey, we'll have, pl- we'll have plenty more opportunities to talk about Mr. Perry in the future if we keep this podcast going. We will multiple times a year. <laughs> yeah, it'll be an <laughs> annual holiday. <laughs> um, so our next film to talk about opened at number three. With 16 million, almost 9 million less than Medea, which is kind of embarrassing considering this had a much higher budget and right. was produced by a major studio. Yes. Um, but yes, that is the Francis Lawrence directed Reese Witherspoon, Robert Pattinson romantic drama. Christoph Waltz. Yeah. Uh, Water for Elephants. Who boy. And did those. Wa- elephants get water no they did not in a single scene they were yeah. um in one scene they, died, they jokingly actually. say they're they don't have an elephant at the beginning of the film and they're like what should he do and he's they're like he can bring water to the elephants and he's like i'd love to do that and then they all laugh at him because there's no elephant um but then there is an elephant <laughs> what are you kidding me oh my god this movie this movie is just so like i i don't even on the scale of not existing, like, maybe not the most non-existing movie ever, because there's, like, stars in it, and, like, people... Well, there are so many Robert Pattinson stands that this movie couldn't not exist completely, and, like, the... But, like, where was the Twilight audience for this? This is a PG-13. Wouldn't they be, like... I thought that would get some seats, butts and seats, but no. That's the thing. So that's the main thing I want to talk about with this movie, because, like, I did not watch this movie. Sorry right. to our listeners. I unfortunately um, did. <laughs> yes, congratulations. Um, I so, will never get those two hours back. Like, 2011 feels like a watershed year in some regards to uh, the Twilight leads attempting to be movie stars in major Hollywood movies on their own. Uh, the main other one I'm thinking of here is Taylor Lautner's Abduction. Which opens in 2011 as well. Um, and both Great of these poster. movies just, yeah, they don't connect. Um, like, yeah. Kristen's the only one who isn't really doing this. Like, she has the runaways in 2010, but that's like an indie kind of. Yeah. Well, uh, she did Snow White. That's what I was going to get to. 2012, she yeah. does Snow White. And that's like oh, her, okay. her. What's her interesting is that, that like. Yeah. I think Kristen is the most despised, of course, because she's a woman of the Twilight like cast. But um, she's the only one who like really doesn't have that many misses, to, in my opinion. Like she kind of hits like she does Snow White, yeah, but she does like solid indies from like right after Twilight going on through the years. Right. Like I've yeah. said this before, but it's very frustrating how Kristen has to spend like five years doing Oliver S.A.S. movies and then like 
fucking still, people are like, she can't act. And then, like, Robert Pattinson does one silly little Safdie Brothers movie, and everyone's like, he's the star of the generation. He smells like chalk, like, whatever the fuck. I don't we know. All love I, feel like, I feel like respected, you know, your indie cinema moviegoers are respect Kristen quite a bit. I feel like you're referring to more of the r slash movies crowd which or just, just like normal people you talk to like you talk to like normal mind. breeders and they're like i you know robert pattinson's sexy and like he's wow he's really a good actor now but then you say Kristen stewart and they're like i don't get her <laughs> i don't know i think well, uh, maybe is it because she's too gay i don't know i know the french love her yeah, for well, good reasons. Taste. Yeah. Oh yeah, my god, French she's so good her. in those Oliver movies. Like, Personal Shopper is yeah. one of my favorite movies of the 21st century. That movie's so good. Seals Maria. Clouds of Seals Maria. Another good she's one. She's great in that. But yeah, my, my main point here was just like, I think it's interesting that after this movie and Remember Me, which is our <laughs> Pats' other similar <laughs> Tariathus, <laughs> Like, both of them don't connect, and that movie has one of the most baffling plot twists in cinematic history, right? Yeah, that is the one. Yeah. That is the one. Um, But, like, both those movies don't connect, and immediately he also starts his indie run because he works with Cronenberg on Cosmopolis the next year. Cosmopolis. Yeah. One of the least. (laughs) I don't think anyone cares about that movie. That's, like, not. I mean,. Yeah, that's an indie it's, movie. It's not terrible. I will say that. It's not terrible. It's not that's, great. That one's kind of I've, interesting. I've heard people defend that one, and I'm just... It is funny know. that, like, that one I remember, like, even at the time, like, there were still, like, some Twihards who were like, oh my god, our pets look so hot in a suit on the poster for this movie. Like, that's what, <laughs> like, that's what it was back in 2012. Yeah. I'm sure they were all really happy when they went to see Cosmopolis. Yeah, yeah I mean, he gets a prostate exam in a limo. It's really oh. surreal. Um, yeah. I need David Cronenberg to go back to doing movies about, like, phalluses emerging from your, like, chest or, like, vagina <laughs> cartridges. Well, like. um, <laughs> I don't mean to get too off topic, but have you heard what John Carpenter said about Cronenberg? What did he say about him? He went to some... I guess every year there's, like, a horror director's convention or something, like, right. where all the horror directors meet up. <laughs> and table talk. It's something like that, and Cronenberg still goes, and just, like, he said, like, people are crowded around him, and he talks about, like, how he's an artist now, and John Carpenter was not happy with him, and was like, I fucking left, I hate him, he's he's not an artist, he doesn't think, you know, he's not okay, anything John he thinks Carpenter. he is. The John Carpenter wishes he had what David Cronenberg has, okay? Okay? <laughs> Sorry, Ooh. but, like, everyone, like, fucking no, John Carpenter's B-catalog shit compared to Cronenberg's B-catalog. Um. I'm sorry, which one are you going to bring up? I'm not going to say, I'm not going to say anything about that. Anyway, let's get back to Water for (laughs) Elephants. Right. Yeah, Jesus, we got Um, off topic, sorry. Yeah, we got really off topic, didn't we? These are Um, the movies we have this week, like, we could talk about whatever. Water for Elephants, I'm just going to start off that my, like, if I had one sentence to review it, it would be that this is such a mediocre, middle-of-the-line totally unmemorable sure movie but it is so hideously miscast that it sticks in your brain a little bit because it is just like one of those movies where you're like why 
why, why, why? All three of the leads, why? I mean, it makes sense maybe at the time, but, like, only in 2011 does this cast happen. Only in 2011 do these three people happen to be at this point in their career where they're doing this shit. Yeah, so let's like Robert talk about Pattinson, that a little Reese bit. Witherspoon, Christoph Waltz. Right, what because a Reese Witherspoon lineup. is the next person I feel like we should talk about here because <laughs> she, I, yeah. Yeah, yeah, she definitely in the 2010s, uh, like I would say, like kind of struggled to find like yeah. where she yeah. wanted to be a lead, like a, a solid leading roles for her. Mm-hmm. Um, but this movie definitely, I would say, even though she doesn't produce it, it kind of defines like what kind of movies she produces uh, throughout the 2010s because it's a yeah. lot of uh, book adaptations, <laughs> which this movie is as well. Um, you know, I would say that like going into this, I was like, she is the most miscast. But I think she holds her own. And, like, by the end of the movie, I was like, of the three main leads, I think she gives the best performance. I can't lie. Like, she was... I think she knew that she didn't really fit the role and, like, actually tried to, like, you know, uh, command her... I don't, it's like she's, like, a acrobat. And Reese Witherspoon is, like... I don't associate her with, like, athletic and, like, acrobatics. But, she, I don't know, she holds herself with poise. She does the whole, like... She, I don't, you believe it. I think she did okay in the movie. She was pretty good. Yeah. Sure. You haven't seen it. I haven't seen it, <laughs> so I'll take your word See, from it. what you remember, can you back me up here? Like, I don't know. I thought she was um, okay in it. It's a lot of smoking and looking. Yes. Like, you know, that look that she's, you know, her head's kind of down and she, like, just looks up like I mean, that. that's kind of what she's doing on the poster. Yeah. yeah she's that's, so that's short. Like, she's very yeah. short, Yeah. Which but is what the whole um, short in this movie. that's what the whole four Christmases poster is making fun of, right. where it's like she's on like Great the presents movie. and Vince Vaughn's like really tall. Yeah, yeah. It's um, just like she's but yeah she short. she went to she went to book adaptations, but not just book adaptations. There were like mom book club. <laughs> oh book yeah, <laughs> I remember this book. I remember. Yeah, that's why I, I actually remember the release of this movie because I remember like my like whatever fifth grade teacher who was like a twilight stand was reading the book in anticipation of the movie and yeah i just it remember was, moms was, being excited for this movie yeah my mom passed it around among all of her girlfriends and i think they went to see the movie together as well mm-hmm. they were a part of that i don't think anyone remember, really cared about the movie million? but I, people did like the book yeah um i did not yeah read and the then book. she went on to do she went on to do wild right Yes, right, which right. is like her only other Oscar, uh, yeah, sort of play of the 2010s, and Big Little Lies, which was sort of her strong suit. Is this an Oscar like play? No, is. Water for Elephants came out in April. Like that's no. what you know. That's what I was thinking. It seems like an Oscar play, but it doesn't have an Oscar release. No, it's just weird because it's not prestigious. It's like too chintzy a concept to be like really like an oscar play because it's so like maudlin like the carnival romance but like um at the same time it's not sexy enough to be entertainment because like Like, i feel like you could say the same thing about like the premise of like moulin rouge or something where it's like on paper i guess this isn't really an oscar play but but yeah it can and also moulin rouge is sexy i mean it's not like it's sexy to insane people but like it has energy Nicole Kidman and Ewan McGregor, you can imagine them having sex with each other. You can't imagine Reese Witherspoon and Robert Pattinson having sex with each other. 
<laughs> ever. Well, maybe once, but then never again. Maybe once, but they like run away and have a family together in this. Like that's how much they love wow. each other. Yeah. Um, and like, isn't she older than him? Or no? Oh yeah, she is. Well, only yeah. by ten years. I know she played his mother in Vanity Fair. That's so funny. <laughs> that's funny. Yeah, and then they. He got older, and now they're romantic interests. Um, I mean, like, I hey, mean, power to her, but at the same yeah. time, it does feel like they're of gener- different generations in Hollywood. Like, seeing so. them be romantic leads together. I mean, yeah. how old was he at the time? Like, 26? I've, she can get away with 26, honestly. Totally. I'm, I'm not trying to age shame Reese Witherspoon. She could get it any day of the week. I just mean, like, seeing them be leads together in a romance is kind of just odd for me because like yeah. they feel like totally of different generations like in terms it's of a strange chemistry pairing, yeah chemistry does not work yeah. chemistry falls on the ground so no. hard like you just i mean like robert pattinson is so like he's his greatest strength is that i feel like he um sort of gives a vibe of authenticity to what and like pathos to whatever he's doing like you believe that he is like in, immersed in the role and like he's a guy like he's a living breathing guy Reese yeah. Witherspoon is all artifice in this movie like so Hollywood wrong with that. no there's nothing wrong with it it's just there's like there are two different we movies love, yeah we love a, you know just I'm not, Robert Pattinson honestly gives the worst per, the worst performance of the two because yeah. he's just doing nothing here it's so boring, boring. it's like all American dude he yeah. fucking why did you join the circus dude like he's going to columbia to be a vet and then his parents die and then he just drops out because it's like his parents had debt or something and he like jumps on a train and then like the guys are like hey kid you want to join the circus and he's like well i guess i know animals it's like the circus is probably the most abused abusive in, like environment for animals like why would you be a veterinarian wanting to work in a circus like that's well, i guess it's um, the great depression question somewhat of a water... awakening <laughs> question does water for elephants have the same premise as madagascar 3 or most wanted um i wish it did because that's a much better movie than this it's and true. i'm not oh, kidding yeah. at all if only this had an ounce of the screenwriting talent associated with madagascar 3 right um right because you know in front of the camera like or behind the camera francis lawrence directs the fuck out of this like it's very nice looking um there's these scenes where like there's the the big top and like lights just flooding into it and it like creates this like glowing like sort of thing and it's like it's very nicely like shot and it doesn't it doesn't come off as super like cheap 2010s like cg recreate recreation of the great depression like you really feel like it has some like production value francis lawrence looking at like the filmography right now i don't really understand how he got this job doing water for all romance video bad romance (laughs) okay yeah music videos i guess I feel like, like once you like, make bad romance, like you're entitled to any movie you want. <laughs> just like it looking at of... like the fact that you made Constantine and I Am Legend before this is like right, Ooh. right. That's I've seen weird. Constantine. I haven't seen I Am Legend. You haven't seen that? No, I just never. A TNT classic, at least Matt. I, I never. I remember. Never was moved to see it. I don't know. I remember it being pretty good, but yeah, he's. A very confident director for making mostly kind of shit movies. <laughs> yeah. Um, um, but I do think that he makes things look nice. And 
Yeah. Like, usually he's not the issue in a movie. You're, um, like, world's number one Red Sparrow fan, Matt. What I are you am, talking about? That, that's basically where my, like, Francis Lawrence standum comes from, is Red Sparrow. Um, Ew. Sorry. It's so... It's such... It's That movie's so... Like, people will find that movie in, like, 15 years and, like, be, like, misunderstood classic. It's so... So, I love that movie. <laughs> I don't think so. It's literally like Verhoeven, but like infused with like more anxieties about identity and sexuality. It's so. In- and oh, like, I, I have not know. seen it, so. I don't know about Verhoeven. Oh, it's so Verhoeven. Come on. The yeah. Academy of Sex Spies. It's so trashy, yeah. but like. Uh, but also, like, satire. It's good. It's good. It- <laughs> Maybe I'll give it a rewatch in a few. It's years, a little long. I'll give you like the third different. act drags, but the first two yeah, acts good. Joel Edgerton. That's where it gets bad. <laughs> yeah, but everything with like Jennifer Lawrence being a Russian spy and like learning how to use like human psychology to her advantage. And isn't yeah. Charlotte Rampling? Charlotte Rampling yes. is the teacher, and she's, she's the like, teacher. "Come on, up on the desk." Yes, yes. And then it's like, because that movie is a response to Jennifer Lawrence's nudes leak. And in the movie, it's like she, for the first time, takes off her clothes in a movie, but like makes the man in front of her, like, unable to like come because she's like manipulating his mind. Because if she, like, she's like, he's attracted to the control. And it's like, that's the same thing with her nudes, is that men are attracted to the control they have over her agency. And it's crazy. It's it's such a meta move in a movie. And when I saw that, I was like losing my... I'm sorry. I'm also a huge Jennifer Lawrence stan. Okay. Um, I was talking to Steve about this earlier today. (laughs) I didn't didn't know all that background, but... I feel like the other thing we have to talk about with Francis Lawrence is he is the guy behind the Hunger Games franchise, pretty much, nowadays, because he... He did, because right after this movie, he signs on to do Catching Fire, which is, like, the most critically acclaimed of the series, I would say. Um, and then he does The Mockingjay, parts one and two. They're good. They're good. Mm, need to rewatch. You're lying. Mockingjay, part one is <laughs> slow cinema. It's a mumblecore um. science fiction movie about people trying to deal with trauma and it's good <laughs> and uh, julianne moore has <laughs> highlights in her hair <laughs> what more do you want sure. what more do you want so, so anyway my favorite scene in water for elephants is actually <laughs> when um christoph waltz gets killed right by the elephant yes it good. grabs a tire iron and it gra- rips his and head it- open <laughs> Was it a tire iron? I thought it was it's, like a dumbbell or, or maybe an it's anvil. like a dumbbell, an anvil, some large and metal just rod. like. And you see, like a little bit of brain go out from the like back of his head. <laughs> yeah, like, a little chunk. This was, you know, I watched this on an airplane. Right. This feels like an airplane movie. <laughs> and yeah, if it's not Oscar bait, then it's airplane, airplane core, core. You know. <laughs> yeah. No, so. 100%. Yeah, so that's how I would classify this movie. Yeah. Um, um, can we, when we're talking about Christoph Waltz a little bit, can we touch on him just slightly because he's he wins, so bad in this movie. He wins the Oscar for Inglorious Bastards in 2009, Best Supporting Actor. Um, no, but his immediate follow-ups, I'm looking at this now and I'm like, 
Yeah, no, I this texted Owen while I, I texted <laughs> Owen while I was watching this. I was like, Christoph Waltz is a bad actor. Hot take. He's a bad actor. Like, sorry. But no, I'm sure he's he good gets, in some things. Yes. When he gets okay. good content, yeah, he's great. And Glorious so, Bastards is like a Star is Born moment. I won't deny him that. He is great in that. Even really, though I don't like yeah. that movie, so is, but he's great in that. Both of the Tarantino projects. Django? I don't, like, he was fantastic. Yes, I'm critical of Tarantino, but he was really great in those movies. But then he does, you know, Green Hornet and yeah. Alita Battle Angel. So his, his 2011, his 2011 uh, immediately his projects following his Oscar win are Green Hornet in January. Good, good pick there. Uh, <laughs> then Water for Elephants. He was like, Michel Gondry, I love him. <laughs> uh, then, of course, Paul W.S. Anderson's The Three Musketeers. Uh, and, hey, that's a smash. <laughs> yeah, that might be the best of the, of the four movies I'm about today. <laughs> and finally, uh, Carnage, the the Roman Polanski. I saw that on Broadway when that was still right, a thing with, right. with James Gandolfini. Oh, that was really good. You saw James Gandolfini in a live. Yeah, he was in the Broadway production. Yeah, yeah, that's it was so James funny. Gandolfini, uh, Marsha Gay Harden, right, yeah, bestie, um, Jeff Daniels, and Hope Davis. Christoph Waltz was Jeff Daniels' role. Why didn't it they keep really that cast good. for the movie? That's a good cast. Yeah, God. I don't know. Yeah, yeah, that, and then also, yeah, yeah. fuck you, Roman Polanski. I think I think it's because they didn't want to work with Roman Polanski. Yeah, that's true. Know who did? Kate Winslet. Yeah, wah, she wah. said, "Sign me up." <sighs> so that's that's his 2011 right there. So yeah, ooh, and mixed then you're like, okay, She knows at least yeah. four gay people. Maybe Christoph Waltz is one of them. Who's to say? <laughs> you know, this kind of reminds us that maybe there's a reason why we didn't know who Christoph Waltz was before 2009. Mm-hmm. Well, he's a th- you okay, know? he's he did like a, I was reading about him. He does he was like a theater actor until then and I think that 100% translates into how that, he acts. Yeah. Right. He like literally That is, is true. Like acting for the back row in every movie that I see him in like <laughs> in, in a Tarantino movie it works, but um this it does not work um he is so cartoonishly bad and evil from the moment you see him why is reese witherspoon married to him why does she see something in him he's not even like you have to stay with me at the beginning like she's like i love him i can't leave him um not that she has any chemistry with robert pattinson but like it's really not appealing options either way for the Reese. like i don't know he's just so bad in this movie um he's so like thuddingly obvious as like the villain and like there's just no it's boring because it's like a it's like a love triangle almost that's the main plot of this movie and there's nothing to like about him he's so despicable he's gross. almost too obvious as a villain these days right? like if you cast christoph waltz as a villain it's just like well did you I mean, even try? I don't yeah, know. or maybe if he did something with this material, but he doesn't do anything with it. There's nothing there. Like, I don't know. I just he's totally unlikable from minute one, and that's interesting because in Django he's kind of a likable character. Yeah. So he yeah. has it in him, but I just I I don't know. Anyway, Big Eyes is like the worst performance of all time. That's what I really wanted to talk about. <laughs> he's so bad in that movie. Like really, really bad. <laughs> that movie's insufferable because of him. Um, That's too bad. With your big eyes and your big lies. 
Okay. I like the joke Not in that. um in Muppets Most Wanted when they have like the dance sequence or something and it's like and Is to he do in the that? waltz, it's Kristoff. And then Kristoff Waltz does the waltz with Great, Muppet. I'm glad it's another funny. another successful movie. Yeah. <laughs> Finally I'm a success looking. for Kristoff. Muppets Most Wanted. <laughs> Two seconds in Muppets Most Wanted, yeah. I'm looking at his filmography now. It is very fascinating. Horrible Bosses Two. Right. Legend yeah. of Tarzan. Terry Gilliam's Zero Theorem. Epic. Tulip Fever. Oh, he was down sick. <laughs> he was yeah. down bad. He yeah. Downsizing. Oh, oh no. <laughs> I never saw that. Me neither. But me, oh me no. neither. That's just the worst trailer of all time. Like I yeah. literally saw that trailer and like became two times more like fucking depressed every time it came on. <laughs> Letting the days go by. Yeah. Oh my god. That moved up. Oh, whatever. I'm not gonna. Okay. Yeah. Point is that I think Christoph Waltz. Look, maybe he has it in him. You're right that he gave like two pretty good performances, I suppose, or at least memorable performances. Um, should he have two Oscars? No. Probably not, no. I'd say he deserved it for Inglorious Bastards. I don't think they should have given him another I mean, one for Django. Who else three is up later. in that year? Like, let me look. Let me look real I quick. Because I the bet other there's someone to win was, to. The other favorite to win was Tommy Lee Jones, but I don't think. Oh, oh for Lincoln, yeah. About him. Oh, never mind. Yeah. <laughs> give it to Christoph, I guess. <laughs> oh, man. I, it should have been Russell Crowe for Les Mis. That's um, a joke. Yeah, no. <laughs> we need Kenny Wait, here to what? do the impression. <laughs> oh, so Philip Seymour Hoffman from The Master. Are we kidding? Oh, that should have won. Yeah, that's, <gasps> Hello. Oh, Robert De Niro yeah. for Silver Linings Playbook. He's so good in that. Oh, no. No, not that. Uh, Alan Larkin. Yeah. Alan Arkin for the Argo Fuck Yourself Argo Fuck reading. Yourself. Yeah, yeah, that deserves an Oscar. <laughs> um, that's the only good part no, of the movie. <laughs> yeah, so maybe it's maybe Kristoff didn't deserve the second Oscar. Sorry, Kristoff. Yeah, <sighs> Philip Seymour deserved it. He has the career of a two-time Oscar winner. I would absolutely, say yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, who would later work with Francis Lawrence in Catching Fire mm. and Mocking Plutarch Heavensby. Plutarch Heavensby. Yeah. yeah, that oh that scene when he dances with Jennifer Lawrence. Like you know, great, he, great introduction. Yeah, people didn't really realize just how amazing of it of an actor he was until he died. I feel like. Yeah. Yeah, and now everyone's like, yeah, he's like yeah, one of the best. He's actors. one of the best ever. Yeah. Yeah. It's sad. It's sad. Yeah. It's sad. It's sad. It's a shame. Um, but you know, at least he lent his talent to a great movie, Mockingjay Part One. Um. <laughs> yeah. mm-hmm. Um. Just want to mention quickly, also in this movie, I didn't watch it, but I'm looking at the cast now. Right. Um, Paul Schneider, the second time he's been mentioned on this podcast for some reason. That's right. right. Mark from Parks and Rec. Right. Um, oh, yeah, he plays, like, the new carnival guy, because, like, sorry, Circus, but, like, it, <laughs> the movie opens, like, Titanic, where, like, old-ass Robert Pattinson, it's who looks in Hal yeah, Holbrook. Hal Holbrook. Yes. Who looks nothing like Rob. I don't think he even has the same eye color. <laughs> he comes yeah. and he's like, I remember when I used to work at the circus. And then, like, he holds up a picture and it, like, zooms in. Like, it's <laughs> so... They're, they're really trying to be Titanic. And it's, like, the epic love story about circus people. 
Like, did people like, die at the circus? Like, well, it is. No, they're like, well, oh, that's from the tragedy, that old circus tragedy. That was one of the worst circus tragedies that ever happened. Like, he says that. And then, yeah. <laughs> you know, that happens. Because in the end, Christoph Waltz goes crazy. People, I realized saying, did people die at the circus was a very stupid thing to say. <laughs> people definitely did. Well, Christoph Waltz, he's losing it. He's going crazy with power because it's the Great Depression and he needs to run right. a circus. right. It's so stupid. It's so stupid. Yes. Like I don't even know what else to say. And also in this movie is uh, Donna W. Scott, the late wife of Tony Scott. Uh, Just oh wanted no. to bring that up. Queen. Real quick. Yep. Well, I'm, um, I'm looking at the uh, I'm looking at the trivia now. Oh, IMDb. love IMDb trivia. Oh, we love yeah. Um, <laughs> Channing Tatum, Kyle Gallner, Anthony Fitzgerald, Andrew Garfield, and Emil Hirsch auditioned for the role of Jacob Jankowski. Oh, before Andrew Garfield could have killed this. I think Emil Hirsch. That's yeah, I'm glad hard to Channing say nowadays. I'm glad but... Channing didn't get involved in <laughs> oh, this. Oh, wait, did he do something bad? Yeah, Emil Hirsch did something bad. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. But I, I understand why you're saying that he like has the look for this movie. He like assaulted um, someone at Sundance or something. Oh, yeah. I take it. I'm sorry. I take it back. Not Emil Hirsch. Yes. Um, Andrew Garfield. Ugh. Yes, Andrew Garfield. <laughs> and just because like Andrew Garfield has the same like acting with the capital A that Reese has, and I feel like they would match yeah. each other's energies a little better. And then um, Scarlett Johansson turned down the role of Merlena. <laughs> yeah, good. <laughs> it's a. Bad That's like role. every role. It's kind of like every role she's ever done. And then Sean Penn <laughs> was cast as august but dropped out yeah i guess that makes sense sean penn and christoph waltz kind of get some more roles sean Sean penn would have been better in the role i don't want to say that because he is also an abuser sean penn is also a horrible human being but um at least he's not like the most obvious villain casting choice like i don't know i just christoph waltz sucks in this movie (laughs) um yeah bad movie not the worst it's shot nice it's watchable um you know it's fun that there are like stars in it so you get to see like people who you know it's not like the fucking um conspirator conspiracy whatever (laughs) actually that has that has guys in it but it doesn't have a lot of people in it don't say that didn't have stars come on Sorry, James McAvoy, right? <laughs> huge star, huge Not star him. in 2011. Um, sorry, sorry, James Badgedale. <laughs> yeah, the empty man. Um, but yeah, now everyone involved in Water for Elephants has done better work. Yep. So I would agree with that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Francis Lawrence is doing a new movie with Jennifer Lawrence, right? No, he's doing the Hunger Games prequel. Right. That's what I was gonna okay. say. Yeah. Right. Oh, okay. boo. Yeah. And I'll watch. So we'll see how that turns out. It sucked. The book sucked. I did not read the book. Um, is he fruity? No, what, he falls Lawrence? in love. <laughs> no, 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 no. President, no. Snow. Oh, President Snow. It's about President Snow. Sorry, we yeah, forgot yeah. to say that. It's about President Snow, and he, like, falls. It's or what? It's the 10th Hunger Games. That's what it is. Right. And he falls in love with a girl from District 12. That's stupid. I don't yeah, like how so bright stupid. that is. Yeah, and like, his why name is to... Coriolanus. Yeah, why it should it have just like been be... about how he was like being like like fucked his way to the top in the hot capital? Like, right. That's what I was. I was hoping for like, you know, because they were like he has like some it... secrets and he like yeah. yeah 
Why do they have to like but retroactively just... make like every villain be like, oh well, there has to be a reason why he went after Katniss. Like, ooh. Yeah. Yeah, that's stupid. Um, Don't like that. Great performance. It's though, stupid. From yeah, Donald and um, Seth Sutherland, not Pleasants. Come on. Right. Sorry. Donald <laughs> Sutherland. Um, the thing is, Suzanne Collins is a good writer. Oh yeah, Gregor the Overland. Like J.K. Rowling's J.K. Rowling is not a good writer, but she created a universe. Right. Yeah. Suzanne Collins had both of those things. She created a yeah. universe, and she was a great writer. Oh, I'm such a Hunger Games books warrior. Yeah, I'm they sorry, were really we're good. So topic, but like those, like yeah. literally, so like for like perfect for like tweens. Like I really think it like gave people like a little taste of like political ideology and like sort of like um dystopia and all that kind of stuff like in a really digestible way where it's entertaining but it's also like has a lot of really interesting ideas about um power and fascism and how power changes over and mockingjay complicates it so much that it's like i think that i think mockingjay is a great book Um, yeah and um and they also didn't really treat the reader like a teen you know yeah yeah I think that's really important when you're Credit writing Credit to the a, movies, too, that like, Katniss is a really hard character to translate to the screen because she's so interior. Yeah. yeah. Um, just, yeah, I loved those books so much. Um, Gregor the Overlander is also fun if you ever read those. I never read um, those, but yeah, I loved Hunger Games. Yeah. Suzanne Collins, queen. Um, and yeah, unlike J.K. Rowling, she can actually adapt a book to the screen. Um, yeah. And that's also true yeah jk rowling like she made these characters like she made a how like it's the mythology of harry potter that really drives it right not really the writing you know what i mean absolutely yeah i also read those when i was like seven so i don't think i had like the strongest (laughs) sense of like writerly ability but i do think it says something that i yeah, and J.K. Rowling's other books, which unfortunately I have read. I read them in high school. <laughs> Casual Vacancy and the Robert Oh, my Godbraith dad loved mystery. that book. Not Casual it's Vacancy, like, like the one, the mystery The one. Cuckoo's Calling, yeah. They're, like, not good. <laughs> yeah. Like, from a writing standpoint, they're just so sloppy and lazy. Um, yes, I yep. have a complicated... I think we all have complicated relationships with the Harry Potter series. Yeah, yeah. Um, which we will confront on July fifteenth. Which Robert Pattinson talked yes. about another connection. Deathly Hallows Part Two. Right, right. That's a good movie, though. <laughs> we'll get to it. <laughs> uh, is that everything we got on Water for Elephants? I feel like we've really uh, emptied the tank on this one. No more yeah. water left. There's um, there's <laughs> an elephant. It's a cute elephant. <laughs> well, in that case, let's move on to our third and final film of the week opening at number six <laughs> at the box office uh it is their yearly earth day release um it is disney nature's african cats Yay! which is mm. which i watched for this podcast um it is Thoughts? definitely a film like yeah. I was surprised I had so this was the first of the Disney nature documentaries that I like skipped seeing in theaters because like I saw so you've seen others oh yeah I saw earth and I saw oceans in theaters I I don't know why I skipped them all yeah no like I guess like the Disney channel marketing machine like really worked on the on these for me like 
they were really pushing these like because each of them also had the promotion where it was like if you go see earth or oceans opening day they'll donate some sort of portions to so and so so and so um so my dad and i saw those few thank you for your service to our planet yeah no that's so nice i saved the world thank you disney um (laughs) but yeah no this is the first one i skipped um but i finally caught up with it um the thing that's weird about this movie um compared to the other ones is this one like very much has a narrative which you wouldn't expect considering it's entirely footage i think that was like for national geographic used on the planet earth series and stuff but like they are so it's repurposed footage yeah yeah (laughs) wow i'm pretty sure at least i know those other ones are um and those african cats fans are gonna check you in the comments if that's (laughs) yeah i think i'm really gonna get no the other thing about this movie is like I went on to Disney Plus to look for this movie, and it's very much a thing where it was like, oh, you want to watch African Cats? Like, you got to search for that thing. Like, you're not <laughs> going to find it on the homepage. Like, you got to get there. Um, but, <laughs> so, <laughs> we're following, like, three arcs here. Uh, we got, like, so, we got, like, the young lions. Uh, we got, like, a cheetah. And then we got, like, this big lion who's, like, trying to expand his territory. All of this is told through narration from Samuel L. Jackson, um, who's a pretty good narrator for this movie, I can't lie. Like, when, yeah. I, when like, the lions are, like, attacking, like, a Giselle and stuff, which, you know, is fun to watch in a G-rated Disney film. A Giselle? Um, yeah. <laughs> you mean a gazelle? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> fuck <laughs> um but like yeah like say old jackson would be like watch out stuff like that's kind of fun <laughs> sounds like oh, a really man. fun movie yeah. it's definitely the better of the disney live action lion king sort of things well like that's not a high live bar. action it's in quotation not, marks it's not a it's not a high bar to cross but I think African Cats does an okay job. Like I'm not. I want to see the one that Natalie Portman narrated. Right. Yeah. That would be fun for me. That's the only one. Which one did she do? (sighs) Which one did she do? Was it Pandas? I don't think so. I think Pandas is the one that like came out. Actually, let me. (laughs) That's a good tangent to go on. Let me run down all the narrators of the Disney Nature movies. Okay, so the narrator... Morgan Freeman gets many checks from them. Yes. Oh, so the narrator... Natalie Portman. Sorry, Natalie Portman did Dolphin Reef. Sorry. Okay. I interrupted. Yeah. It's okay. <laughs> so James Earl Jones did the narration for Earth. Uh, I remember seeing Oceans and that it's Pierce Brosnan because Pierce Brosnan appears in the film Oceans. Right, right. Wow. Like he looks out at the ocean at the beginning of the movie. He's like, "I'm looking at the oceans." Well, this the is not saying. Thank God. Um, then Chimpanzee, which is 2012's Disney Nature documentary, is Tim Allen, <laughs> which is funny. Um, then lover of nature, Tim Allen. <laughs> <laughs> when I think nature, I think Tim. I think handyman Tim. Yeah. Um, then nice man 2014. Standing. Yep. 
2014's Bears is John C. Riley. Right. Uh, the Monkey Kingdom is Tina Fey. Wow. Uh, Born <laughs> in China Fey. is John Krasinski. Notably, uh, not born in China. No, no. Um, Dolphin Reef is Natalie Portman, and yes, the, and Penguins is Ed Helms, and Elephant is Meghan Markle. So, <laughs> okay, that's Thank a very you, strange Megan. selection of people. <laughs> yeah, John C. Riley. They should get Dasha it. Nekrasova for the next one. <laughs> <laughs> Name your dream. Who are your like dream people who should voice the thing next? I think Fran Leibowitz would do a good one. Yeah. Yeah. Um, (laughs) Maybe Gwen Stefani. Uh, uh, Um, You could get Evangeline Lilly. Tom Waits. Tom Waits. That's a good one. That would be a good choice. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Um, I I think that would be actually a good a good choice. Uh, You know, you could get. I mean, there's all kinds of people you could get. You could get Jennifer Tilly. Jennifer oh. Tilly. Jennifer yeah. Tilly. Great choice. Um, what if you got Sasha Baron Cohen, but he was Borat? I was thinking that. <laughs> like, he did it in the mm. Borat voice the entire time. I'd yeah, rather yeah. have Bruno. I think it should yeah. be Bruno instead. Yeah, Bruno's the better Sasha Baron Cohen character. <laughs> I agree with you, Steve. I was trying to get people to watch Bruno last night. They were not going for it. It's funny. It's funny. I, that's what <laughs> I told them. That's, that's how I found out how gay sex works. Bro. <laughs> from that movie. Sorry, is this is this like a PG rated podcast? No. We're explicit it's... on iTunes. We're good. Okay. We're good. Yeah. You can say whatever. I already made a joke about Ryan Murphy not topping anything, so we're good. Oh. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, so a Barb and think... Star Disney nature documentary would be pretty good. Yeah, that would be good. You're right. Or just um, Kristen Wiggins. Bob Odenkirk. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Bob Odenkirk. Great choice. Catherine Keener. Holly Hunter. Just the entire cast of Incredibles 2. Yeah, yeah. Um, Holly Hunter is one of the greatest voices. She does have one of the greatest voices of all time. You're so right, Owen. All right. Is that is that all we have to say about um, African cats? Well, I, another question I have to ask everyone right. on African cats, you know, tangentially, however you say that word, Tendentially related to the film, I wanted to ask you all. Um, so, like, what are your favorite like movie cats in general? Like cats, <laughs> like there's so many to choose from. Well, there's one who's always on my mind. The Rum Tum Tugger. A hat? Uh, the Rum Tum Tugger. <laughs> That's true. He's a very curious cat. He's a very curious cat. Uh, also, Skimbleshanks, the railway cat. Yeah, mm-hmm. um, you could list the entire cast. You could of the list film. the entire cast of cats. Old Deuteronomy, yeah. Old Deuteronomy, yes. of course. Um, Taylor Swift. <laughs> <laughs> That's her name. Yes. <laughs> McCavity, uh, the cat from Coraline. Love him. Yes, voiced by mm-hmm. Keith David. Yeah, I'm a very big cat person. I don't like. I don't have never had a dog, but I have had many cats, and I still have a lot of cats at home. Um. So, I love cats. Uh, and other movie cats that I like. Let me think. Garfield. Bill Murray. <laughs> Can't go wrong there. Can't go wrong there. Um, I don't know. You guys got any other cats? I got some cats. I got go some off. cats. 
Um, the ones I was thinking of were, I would definitely say, um, Oscar Isaac's Cat and Inside Lewin Davis. Right. Great movie, Cat. Good, Love good, him. yeah. Um, I would say uh, Elliot Gould's Cat and The Long Goodbye. Great oh, movie, great Cat. cat. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, The Cat in the Hat, of course. Like, the Cats on. from Batman Returns? <laughs> yeah. The cat's on Halle Berry's face in Catwoman. Did oh. we just lose Matt? Matt is gone. Okay. Well, I was going to say Haosu. <laughs> the cat from that. Oh, his computer died. He just texted us. <laughs> um, <laughs> I'm looking up cat movies now. Miranda July's The Future is on here. I need to watch the other Miranda July movies. I really loved Kajillionaire, and I haven't seen Kajillionaire's. I think it, well... Kajillionaire and me and you and everyone we know are both really great. Right. The future... People say it's not her best, but recently, after she's had sort of a, res- a renaissance with uh, Kajillionaire, people mm-hmm. are coming back to it and they're like, no, it's a good one. Um, but yeah. So yeah. Anyway. It's a solid movie animal, honestly. Like, yeah, I mean, I'm not really a cat person. Me neither. Like, I'm not like a pet person at all. Really. I mean, I love I love dogs. Dogs <laughs> are my everything. Much like uh, John Cusack and uh, Diane Lane in 2005, must love dogs. Must love dogs. Was that Diane Lane? It was Diane Lane. I thought it was Sandra Bullock. Oh my god, I can't believe I got that right. I was completely off the top of my head. I was like, who are the leads of Must Love Dogs? I think it is. I think you're right. I'm right, yeah. I just looked it up. Like, <laughs> Must Love Dogs. Yeah, I never I, saw that, but I feel like I have to. I saw like the first 10 minutes of Must Love Dogs at the drive-in in 2005. It was in a double feature with Valiant, the the animated Ewan McGregor Warbirds movie. Right. Yeah. Valiant. <laughs> <laughs> This is all coming back to me. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I was never around like cats. Yeah. <laughs> this is a cat's cast. Um, yeah. Yeah. Now um, maybe I should watch Must Love Dogs. What the hell? <laughs> now I'm thinking I should I should watch Must Love Dogs from 2005. Yeah. Like I love the poster where it's just like Diane Lane dog oh. john cusack they're on a bench and they're like they're oh the, oh yeah this dog's between us <laughs> you gotta yeah. love them <laughs> <laughs> yeah uh matt pifko has returned to the podcast matt, matt is back uh, one second he's, he's to set up he's set working up the audio. The <laughs> yeah we went on a tangent out. about the film must love dogs yes a film which neither of us have seen no. but we feel we have to see yeah um, we need to bring back the Nancy... Oh, he disappeared again. We well, need to bring back, like, the Nancy Myers Gary Marshall brand comedy. Absolutely. Rom-com. Yeah. Look, I think, obviously, Nancy does it much better than Gary Marshall, I would say. Yeah. From 21st century on. Um, right. but, obviously, I think there was a... There, there's something fun about just every year, you or, like, every few years, you're just gonna get some random holiday directed by Gary Marshall. Yeah. <laughs> like, e- like, even though, like, New Year's Eve is, like, w- an awful, awful movie, like, would have loved to see, like, ten more of them. Like. Right. 
and you know the thing about both of those directors I mentioned, Nancy and Gary, um, excuse me, um, they really offered another fantasy. You know, it was pure escapism. Those Absolutely, movies. we need more of that in movies. Yeah. And I guess you could argue we do have that today with like the Netflix, like Kissing Booth, whatever that yeah. that is. But it's not the same. About, yeah, yeah, there's something about just like the flashiness and the just like we just don't get that anymore, and I miss it. That's pre twenty. That's just that died off in two thousand nine. Yeah. I think it's complicated. Was probably the last movie yeah. of its kind. Because even the intern is like six years later, and it's like yeah, it doesn't much work. Different than what she was doing before. It just doesn't work. Yeah. But anyway, like yeah, it Matt it is, is interesting that the the star based rom com, like yeah, complete almost completely died off in the twenty ten. I think I think that's what I mean. The star based rom com. You would never see Meryl Streep do yeah. another movie like that. How do you know is not getting a one hundred twenty million dollar budget ever? Exactly. Again. Exactly. But you know what? Train wreck. Train wreck. <laughs> yeah. okay. I'm sorry, I'm a huge I'm a huge fan of train wreck. I think it is a good rom com and one of the okay. only ones well, that we got well, in the late twenty tens. Well that's on you. Yeah. <laughs> Um, wait and see, wait and see. Wait and see. Uh, it'll be held as a classic one day. Oh, yep. okay. Uh, yeah, yeah. So, sorry, um, but you're right, the rom-com is kind of dead. You guys see Set It Up? I like Set It Up. Yeah, but we were we were saying there's something about, like, the Netflix rom-coms that just don't capture the pure escapism of totally. a Nancy Myers yeah, totally. or a Gary Marshall. Like, we you know? need excessive I want, I want to go see stars. 27 Dresses. Yeah. Exactly. Like, 27 Dresses. Like, no offense. No offense to Glenn Powell and Zoe Doach, who are both fairly charming on their own right. But yeah. like, Are you saying Glenn Powell isn't isn't giving you wattage? He's not giving you <laughs> star power? Like, come on. <laughs> They're no Diane Keaton and Jack Nicholson. Like, it's they just aren't. facts. It's just the facts. Or Frances McDormand as the gay sister. Who's something's not gay, gotta I guess. give. Something's gotta give is a masterpiece. But that I can it go is. on. It I can is. go on for an hour about that. <laughs> you should. Anyway. It, it, you're right. You're right. Like it, it's so good. Something did give. Something <laughs> did give. My heart. I gave it to Nancy Myers. She really yeah. stole it from me. Um, except that. Spoiler alert. Uh, she should have gone for Keanu. Yeah. I mean. Not that that ever ruined a rom-com. Like, there are plenty of rom-coms where people make the wrong choice and it's still a good movie, but... Ugh, God. Like, come on. He's a doctor. He's Keanu Reeves and he's a doctor. Yeah. 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 Uh, One last thing on African Cats. Taking us way, 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 way back. back. (laughs) Oopsie! It's, It's perfectly fine. I think this is what the audience wants to hear more of. More than African Cats. Um, is that the end credits song of African Cats is The World I Knew, performed by Jordan Sparks. Right. Oh. Yeah, Queen. just wanted to throw that out there. Uh, the song is written by fantastic. Ryan Tedder. Oh, yeah. And it uh, was eligible for a nomination at the 84th Academy Awards, but did not get nominated. Sad. Oh, damn. Sad. Um, yeah. I, does anyone know if love always feels like a battlefield because I, I i find that sometimes it does um you know and and you know what matt 
You're on my heart just like a tattoo. <sighs> Another classic. Um, <laughs> speaking of songs that were eligible but not chosen, why wasn't Swan Song by Dua Lipa from the Alita Battle Angel soundtrack uh, chosen for best original song? These are the questions we must ask. And yeah. on a more serious note, because that's kind of a joke, but on a genuine note, why was Diamond by Megan Thee Stallion and Normani not chosen for best original song this year? What's up, people? Yeah, You're picking all these made-up songs it's from fucking... It's not a great best original song lineup at this Oscars, we gotta say. There's... It's not great, but the, a lot of years, there it's weak. And it's Unless weird, you have, like, a musical, like, like it's kind of hard. It it shouldn't be hard. They're good original, like diamonds, like fucking. Back in the day, they could have picked a song from the sucker, the yeah. not sucker punch, the <laughs> Suicide Squad soundtrack. Like that was a big yeah. hit soundtrack. What about Black Panther? Okay, I'm they speaking to Academy voters though. Like, They're, yeah, yeah, I agree. Those but... well, all the stars was nominated for Black. All the Panther, stars are kosher. But come on, all the stars are kosher. Yeah, but then there's a lot more. I, I don't even know if that's the best one on the album. Oh, no. I mean, Black Panther, um... Hmm, I don't know. Yeah, I, I love a lot of the songs on that album. I love The Ways with Sway Lee, and uh, that one's fun. It's like mm-hmm. a cute little love song. Great, great, great soundtrack. Uh, Alright, or, yeah. That, <laughs> um, African Cats. Yeah, as of May 2nd, 2011, ticket sales translated into 50,000 acres of land saved in Kenya. Wow, so, that's great! That. Thanks, Disney. Yeah, um, it's like one fifth of the budget of Long Division. Yeah, probably. Um, but yeah, those are the new releases of the week. Uh, Speaking of Disney's never-ending terrorism, did you guys see that Julia Louis Dreyfus is now like the main Marvel villain for Hydra? Yeah, she showed up in yeah, the latest that's so episode. Fucked up. Of Captain I can't believe they got no, her. She she deserves. She deserves the paycheck. Yeah. She does deserve the paycheck, but like... Did any of you see Downhill <sighs> last year? No. 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 I saw the original. It's a bad I movie. It's a bad movie, but she's very good in it. Is she ever bad? Is she ever bad? <laughs> I'm also... I'm an apologist for Nicole Hall of Seniors, Enough Said. I think that's a great movie. Oh, yeah. I love Nicole. Walking and Talking is one of my favorites. I love yeah, that movie. She's another one. She's an airplane movie auteur. <laughs> but she does it well. Yeah, Nicole Hall of Center, she's like... I feel like she's kind of like the Nancy Myers for, like, New York intellectuals, you know? Like, it's the same energy, but, like, a little more... A little more, like, urban city kind of like uh you know metropolitan vibe yeah, Catherine like, Keener of it all like if if Lena Dunham tried to be Nancy Myers yes that's exactly what it's like yeah exactly it's like um but Catherine Keener oh, we love so her movies. we love you now now Catherine is a friend you. of the show um I come wish. on the pod Catherine Keener come on yeah. please talk about well, your friend of the show. career yeah Eve- Miss Evelyn Dever herself. Yes. We love Catherine Keener. Um, we do. We do. We, we don't, I don't love African Cats, but I watched it. Um, <laughs> what would you... What, okay, everyone... Oh, we can't rank the movies we yeah, haven't we, seen. None of us, <laughs> we cannot provide a, a, a potent ranking. I imagine that I would have liked African Cats better than Water for Elephants. But, you know. Well, oh, Matthew Grifko has disappeared once again. <laughs> 
yet again. Yeah, this my is going AirPods, to be... Oh, one of my AirPods just died. Um, <laughs> <laughs> we're falling apart here. Yeah, this is going to be a great podcast to edit. Um, <laughs> so, going into the top 10 at the box office of the April, te- April 22nd weekend, uh, number one was Rio, uh, beating all the releases this weekend, still, still riding the charts. Uh, then number two, Medea. Three, Water for Elephants. Um, then number four is Hop, uh, <laughs> which has gone up this weekend, up 13%. So audience are still hopping to the theater four weeks in. Wow. Crazy to think about. Um, I made a mistake on last episode saying that this week was Easter in 2011 it turns out it is actually this weekend the 22nd which is the easter weekend because catholicism Uh, makes no sense yeah no one knows what it is uh number five is scream four which has dropped 62 percent this weekend which i can't say is a particularly good hold but Mm. it is it is what happened um then number six is african cats um it does make me happy that even with scream four's pretty bad hold that it still did better than african cats sorry to disney um (laughs) uh then number seven soul surfer number eight hannah number nine insidious and number 10 source code uh, so, you know, mixed bags over the 10. Thankfully, Your Highness and Arthur are out of the 10, so I don't have to think about them ever again. Yeah. Um, well, the, the ones at the bottom are good. At <laughs> the very bottom? Yeah, well, those last three, those are good movies. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. No, like Insidious, like, I'm, I'm so happy, like, Insidious withholding well, and, and mm-hmm. Hannah, and Source Code. Yeah. Hannah's, a, Hannah's underrated. That's a great movie. Yeah, no few weeks ago i was really writing for hannah on the podcast and everyone else was kind of like meh but good movie that's a good movie good movie yeah yeah uh but that's what we got this weekend uh uh next week uh we'll be talking about uh matt pick was still not here for listeners <laughs> wondering um but next week we'll be talking about uh four wide releases it's gonna break us once again um we talking about Fast Five, pretty much our first like blockbuster we have to talk yeah. about here. Uh, the only Fast and Furious movie I've seen is Hobbs and Shaw, so this will be very interesting. <laughs> um, number and then we also have Prom, uh, a movie that would absolutely not go to theaters <laughs> nowadays. Absolutely not. Also Disney. Uh, then we have the long-awaited sequel. Uh, to an original movie that I think is pretty funny, but this one was abysmal beyond belief, and I watched on demand at the time. It is Hoodwinked Two: Hood versus Evil. <laughs> yeah, ugh. That is a lineup. And finally, finally, uh, our lowest-grossing wide release ever. We've talked about uh, with seven with playing on eight hundred and seventy-five screens, opening at number eighteen on the box office. It is Dylan Dog, Dead of Night. Oh, I can't wait. Oh, yeah. What a lineup. Oh, boy. This is going to be amazing. (laughs) 
Yeah, so tune in next week to see us lose our minds after watching Dylan Dog Dead of Night. Yes. Yes. Uh, thank you all for listening. I'm sure Matt Pifko would also like to thank you on his behalf. <laughs> uh, Steve, thanks for joining the show. You were an amazing guest. Oh, my pleasure. We'll absolutely have you back to talk about whatever you want to talk about. All right. Um, and yeah, uh, have fun uh, and uh, stream African Cats or don't. Definitely do. That's what I got. Yeah. Uh, see you next week. Bye. Bye.